Hey, welcome to Kids A to Z with Dr. T. I am your host, Teresa Signorelli, and um, we're bringing you information about the five areas of child development, meaning physical, intellectual, social, emotional, emotional, and moral development. So what we're looking to do is really empower parents so they can, or actually endow parents with knowledge and skills so they can empower their children to thrive. Well, in today's uh, episode of Brains in Toyland, we are having a topic on when and how children start talking. And if you might imagine, that regards speech and language development in children. And really, if you consider everything children do, learning to speak is actually one of the most important things that they're going to do in their lifetimes, but also one of the most complicated ones. So on today's show, we have Dr. Michelle McRoy-Higgins, who's going to talk to us about speech and language development in children, and she'll also talk about late talkers. We'll talk a little bit about what parents are often surprised to know about children as they learn how to talk, um, maybe talk about influences on what, um, how children understand words and learn new words, and how we can foster really great development. So welcome, um, Dr. McRoy. How are you? Are you there? Let's see. I'm not hearing her for some reason. Um, let's see. I'm going to play some music for you for a second, so hold on tight. Michelle? It's Dr. T again. I'm going to try and see if we have Dr. Michelle McRoy on with us. Michelle, are you there? I'm here. Can you hear me? Oh, yes. Okay. <laughs> now I can hear you. Before the, um, the microphone wasn't working. So, well, thank you for being with us. And can you tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do? Sure. Um, thanks for having me. I'm really excited about this conversation that we're going to have. I am a speech-language pathologist, or other people may have heard of the term speech therapist, and I'm also an assistant professor at Hunter College in the Department of Speech-Language Pathology and Audiology. So as a speech-language pathologist, I usually work with children who are as young as six months of age, and I've worked with kids up until 10 or 12 years of age, but I really like to focus on the early years, and my clinical practice really specializes in kids' birth to five years of age. Okay, that's also perfect. <laughs> Go ahead. I was going to mention that I also do research on how kids um, learn language, develop language, and also when they're having trouble learning language. All right, super. I actually have on the the blurb about the show today on the Blog Talk Radio site that has your link. So um, that's the way people could get in touch with you, actually, if they were interested in maybe participating in one of your studies. Okay, Is that great. correct? Yes, thank you. Okay, great. And we can maybe talk about that a little bit toward the end of our interview too. 
Mm-hmm. But I wanted to start off first by talking about common questions that parents have. And so maybe if you can start there, what are some common questions parents often ask about child speech and language development? Well, I think the most common question that people want to know is when should their child start talking? And I think that parents are also want to know when they should be concerned if their child really is not doing as much talking as they'd expect. And I think that we'll talk about that um, in a little bit. Yeah, we will. Um, So before we do that, let's talk about often what parents are surprised to learn regarding um, speech development. I think that parents are often surprised to learn that a lot of kids actually are delayed in learning how to talk. So um, the term that we use is a late talker. So a late talker is a child who is typically developing, except for they are a little bit late to start talking. And that's pretty common actually in two-year-olds. About 20% of toddlers or two-year-olds are considered to be late talkers. So it's relatively a common uh, condition. Okay, and um, what else about late talkers? Is there different distributions between maybe boys and girls? Yes. Um, the, you've heard that girls are chatty and that their language is more advanced than boys, and that actually is true. Um, girls do start saying words a little bit earlier than boys, and that's typical and that's observed um, across all many different languages and cultures. And also, um, boys are more likely to have trouble learning language. So that's something that, um, you know, is just to be aware of if you have a boy or a girl. Right. So so talking is a, is a type of skill, and there are milestones that we're looking for. Um, I, I know I, I actually started speaking late. My mother swears up and down I didn't start speaking till after I was two. But mm-hmm. I was a very physical child, and I was climbing everything and scaling walls and bookcases. So is there a difference between maybe kids who are more physical versus um, less in terms of talking or what have you? Right, I think there is. I've noticed this, and I've talked to many other professionals, um, physical therapists, occupational therapists, other speech and language pathologists, and we've all noticed the same thing. It seems like kids around a year of age are either walkers or talkers, and that's the age in which kids usually start walking around a year, and that's the age where we observe kids usually start talking around a year. And so I've noticed this, and I even noticed this with my own girls. Um, Around a year, it seems like they're doing one or the other, and that could be because they're really concentrated on one thing. You know, learning how to walk and learning how to talk are both really, really complicated tasks. So it seems like babies are really smart about it, actually. They concentrate on one thing, and then once they get the hang of that, then they can kind of devote their learning to something new. Right, because we only have resources for so many things at one time. So that's something I'm I'm a speech pathologist as well, and I've observed also um, you've got those walkers or those talkers, and once they get that skill kind of uh, well-established, they'll have the time and energy, so to speak, to focus on that other. Right. All right, so maybe you can talk a little bit about when children start talking during those early years, um, even starting in utero, prenatally, um, in terms of uh, development here. I think that could be helpful. So if you could walk through those. 
Yes, absolutely. So um, when we think of talking, we think of kids who are up and at it and they're walking and they're talking in sentences, but the whole process of learning to talk and use language starts really, really early on, as Teresa mentioned, in utero. So we do know that in utero, and towards the third trimester, babies can are listening and they can hear and they can hear us talk and they respond differently to different people's voices. So, for example, they will respond differently when they hear their mother's voice as compared to other female voices. So this is even in utero. So they are ready to listen as soon as they are. They come out of the womb, really. That's, um, <laughs> that's super, and I think that's something a lot of parents don't realize is how early communication really begins, really begins, that there are things we can be looking for yeah, um, in terms of um, estimating what development will be like. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so what about um, following birth up to like about three months? What might, be, what might we expect? So first, when babies are born, they really, uh, they say a lot of sounds, but most of them are crying. Unfortunately, those of us who have had kids or been around newborns have observed that for sure. Um, but babies also make other noises. They're kind of like um, noises that they make when they're eating and they do burps and they kind of do like an ah kind of sound sometimes. These sounds are all reflexive. They're involuntary. But um, babies are learning really important things even as soon as they're born. They're learning to look into their caregiver's eyes and they're looking looking at them. They're watching their mouths when adults are speaking. And so babies are really Um, You know, from birth, they're ready to listen, and they're starting to pick up on these things that we do as communicators. Right, and these are pre-verbal skills that they really need to be able to do before they'll be able to talk. Right, exactly. Mm -hmm. Right. Okay, so that's about birth to three, you said. What about in the age range from about four to six months of age, what might we expect? So four to six-month-old babies, I love them. They're so much fun because they are starting to do things on their own, and they are doing them purposefully. So they're starting to make different kinds of sounds. They do what we call cooing and gooing. That's like oohs and ahs. And they start to uh, experiment with the sound of their voice. So they'll do a high-pitched sound and a low-pitched sound and a gurgly sound and, and all these other different types of sounds. And something that I always enjoyed watching in babies that age is laughter. So they start to do laughter at this age, and it's really fun to watch a baby laugh. Yep, for sure. Uh And um, what about taking turns? Yeah, they learn how to do that too. So they've been watching people communicate you know, for four whole months now, and they're starting to get the hang of it in terms of taking turns. So they might vocalize and do like, ah, and if an adult vocalizes in response, they might vocalize again. So they're starting to get the routine of turn-taking, waiting for someone else, and they really start to be very interactive. Right. So at some point, once they are talking in a conversation, you have to take turns where somebody speaks, you wait and listen, and when they stop, then you can go. So again, this is another important pre-verbal skill that, that we need children to be mastering um, before they can do more sophisticated things, and these are things we see at the four- to six-month range. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. So then how about about seven months up to a year? What would we like to see out of these little ones? So we would like to see what we call babbling. So babbling is our sounds like ba-ba-ba or ma-ma-ma or even mixing it up, ba-ma-ba-wa or something like that. So they're putting together consonants 
and vowels, and they're repeating it. And so this is called babbling. We observe it usually six to seven months, um, up to a year. And what they're doing is practicing saying their speech sounds. They're getting ready to say real words. All right. And what about um, jargoning is a term parents might have heard about. Yes. So um, after a couple months of practicing their babbling, babies start to kind of um, get a little bit more sophisticated, and they do what we call jargon. So jargon is when they put together syllables, consonants, and vowels, but they sound like they are having a complete conversation of made-up words. And so their speech has intonation or rhythm, just like an adult, but they don't seem to make sense. Um, and so it sounds like they're having a complete conversation with themselves, or they're even talking to you. So they'll say something and look at you, um, and what they're doing is they're practicing getting ready to say words. Okay, super. And then mm-hmm. how about um, in the span of um, the span between one to two years of age? What would we want to see? So what we would usually see around a year of age is babies starting to say real words. And so a real word is when um, a baby says something that sounds pretty similar to an adult form, um, and it's consistently said in the presence of that thing. So, for example, a baby who loves to play with balls, they might say, bah, and if they say it consistently in the presence of the ball or to ask for the ball, then a parent can be confident, oh, yeah, that's definitely a real word. It might not have all the speech sounds correct, but if it's pretty close, then we consider that to be a word. So around a year, babies um, start to say words, and pretty gradually they'll add more and more words to their vocabularies. Um, Around a year and a half usually is when we start to see something called a word spurt. So this is when babies just explode with their vocabulary. They seem to pick up so many new words every week or even every day. Okay, great. And about... um what about by the time they're about two years old? What, how many words would we want to see them using? So we would expect an average two-year-old, just when they turn two, to have about 300 words in their vocabulary. That's a lot of words, but okay. they really learn them pretty, pretty quickly and pretty easily. Okay. Okay, so we'd want to see them saying 300 different kinds of words when they're communicating. Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. And how about when children are two to three years of age? What are some of the things we want to see in their development? So by the time kids are two to three, they should be speaking in short sentences, um, and they'll continue to uh, grow in their vocabulary. But you'll also start to see some grammar forms, so like plurals and past tense, like walked and present progressive, like ing at the end of words, like uh, singing. So you'll... Uh, your child is going to become a better communicator. They're going to use their words. They're going to put them in sentences. They're going to use grammar forms. They're still going to make a lot of mistakes, but they're going to be um, growing and growing in terms of language. All right, great. And how about as they grow a little more and they're maybe in the three- to four-year age range? Yeah. They're, they're just going to continue to grow. They are going to say longer and more complex sentences. They're going to be able to say even more grammatical forms, grammar forms. Um, they can even tell you a short story that has a beginning, a middle, and an end. They'll be able to talk to you about things that happened in the past. Oh, tell me what you did this weekend. They'll be able to talk about that. And they'll even be able to talk to you about things that are going to happen in the future. All right, super. 
And mm-hmm. how about as we get to the that end of that preschool range, that four to five year age range, what would we want to see in these these great communicators? By the time kids are five, they really have most of the rules in English. Um, They still make a few mistakes in terms of grammar, but um, they really have pretty much all the rules down in terms of sentences and how do you ask a question and how do you tell a story. um, And, you know, they're really ready to learn, go to kindergarten and uh, tell stories and, and be very creative. All right, super. Super. So let's let's talk a little bit about activities that children can do or adults can do with children and what toys might be good to foster good development at all these different age ranges. Okay. So I talked about a lot of age ranges. I talked about kids who are babies, birth to three months, and I even talked about kids who are preschoolers between four and five years. And I think any toy that's developmentally appropriate. So usually in the packaging of toys these days, it says, you know, this is for a child who's 18 months plus. So pretty much the age ranges on the toys are pretty accurate. I think that... um, the thing that I like to do most when I'm working with kids is I like to use toys that don't make a lot of noise. Mm-hmm. Toys these days, so many of them have bells and whistles and play songs and all these blinking lights. And those are really fun, but if we want to foster language skills and turn-taking, I really like to play with toys that don't make any sound because this way the adult and the child can make the sounds and can, can use the language to talk about the toys. Yeah, I'm I'm completely with you there. Um, I think it causes a lot of noise pollution also. And one of the things we're looking to do on the show in the next couple weeks is have an audiologist come on and talk about these issues. Because, as you said, it's interfering with them being able to communicate or focus on communication. And we mentioned Mm -hmm. earlier how there's only so many things you can focus on at one time. So really having kids be able to interact with their playmates listen to what the adult is saying, how they're saying it, and really capitalize on, on learning language in that play moment. Yeah, I, I like to get rid of uh, toys with noise. Um, but there also can be issues of the noise issue, mm-hmm. the factor that that has on potential hearing, and even physiologically there's, it can be stressful. So we'll save that talk for another show. Like I said, down the road we're going to have an audiologist come on and talk about that. So um, let's then move on to another topic and um, maybe talk about, um, um, let's see, maybe personal experiences you might have had with a child who was a late talker. Okay. Um, so I, I want to talk about my older daughter. And so she wasn't a late talker, but um, when she was a baby, I had firsthand experience of this idea of limited resources to work on everything. So when she was about six months old, I knew, because I'm a speech-language pathologist, that babies are supposed to start babbling around six months of age. And she really wasn't babbling as much as I thought that she should be based on her age. So, of course, I had her hearing tested and I, you know, looked carefully about what was going on. Why wasn't she babbling? And my sister is an occupational therapist, and she's very much into motor skills. And, you know, she works with children to teach them how to do things like crawling and manipulating small objects. So she said to me, well, look at her. She's so physical right now. She was sitting upright. She was reaching for things. She was rolling over. She was starting to crawl. So she was experiencing this situation where all of her resources were focused on motor skills. 
And sure enough, after about a month, she um, got very good at crawling very fast, and she was starting to pull up to stand. And at that point, she really started babbling. So around seven months for her, her babbling completely started to explode. Um, and then she actually started to say words a little bit earlier, on the earlier end, um, around eight months she said um, her first word, and by 11 months, she had seven real words that she was using to communicate. So I think it's important for parents to always just look at your child and observe what they're doing and see what they're um, working on, see what skills they're concentrating on to kind of help understand the whole development of a child. Right, considering all the areas of development. Yeah, this is a great example, as we were mentioning earlier, how your daughter was concentrating on her motor skills, so she didn't have as much time and energy to focus on those communication skills. And then once those kind of plateaued a bit and she got to a good point, she could focus on those language skills. So, yeah, looking at your child as a whole and looking at mm -hmm. all those different areas of development can help you make, I think, good decisions for them. Right. So mm -hmm. there. what if you do, though, have that um, – suspicion that they might be delayed in, in speaking. Uh, about what age should parents um, kind of cue into the, the fact that there, there might be a delay? Right. So most babies, I mentioned before, start to say real words around a year, around 12 months of age. It can be as early as nine months, and it can be as late as 15 months. So babies will start to say their first word between about 9 to 15 months of age. So I would say if a baby is 16 months of age and they're really not saying words consistently or, one or have one or two words in their vocabulary, then I think it's really time to look carefully at that child's development to see what's going on. Right, right. Um, okay, so what else can we talk about? Then what, um, what might cause a delay? In some kids, there is, um, they might have a particular condition that causes delayed language. So, for example, if a child is born with Down syndrome, they might have um, cognitive delays, speech and language delays, motor delays. So the cause in that instance is the presence of Down syndrome. Um, also, if a child has hearing loss, that can cause delays in speaking because they're not hearing and they're not listening to sound in the same way. Um, another cause can be if a child is born with cerebral palsy. That affects their motor development and their ability to say speech sounds. So that could cause um, delay. Another example is autism. Uh, kids who have autism are delayed in language. So those are all examples of a diagnosed condition or a disease. Um, and in other cases, we don't know why kids are delayed. And that's um, most kids who we consider to be late talkers. Late talkers are typically developing in every other aspect except for language. And so in most cases of late talkers, we don't know why they're delayed. We, but, and they just are. And, and there might not are. be a family, there may not be a family history of right. um, speech and language delays. And I guess maybe that's another point to make, that if there's a family history where a yeah. sibling or parent had some language um, delay and speech mm -hmm. delay, uh, that um, a sibling or the children may also have a delay. Yes, absolutely. So language skills somewhat run in families, right? So um, if a parent had a language delay, it is more likely for a child to have a language delay as compared to if a parent didn't have a language delay. And I mentioned it's also more common in boys than in girls to have a language right. delay. Mm -hmm. Okay. 
So what should a parent do if they suspect that their that their child is developing behind their peers and where they should be for their age? Um, you know, what's the right time to reach out, and maybe where should they reach out? Okay. So in terms of the right time to reach out, I think that parents know their children better than anyone. And if at any time a parent is concerned about their development, they should reach out to a professional and to talk about it. There's no reason, I don't think, to delay. If a parent has a gut feeling that I think there's something wrong, absolutely go get it checked out immediately. So if your child is between the ages of zero to three years of age, uh, there's an agency called Early Intervention, which is run by the um, each state uh, organizes how it's run. We live in New York State, and so the um, county runs the Early Intervention Program, and these are services for kids who are zero to three months of age. You would contact yeah, your Early Intervention. Right. I think some states might call it different things. Like I believe Connecticut might be zero to three or birth yes. to three. Mm-hmm. But variations on that theme, <laughs> there right. will be state agencies and county agencies where parents can go for uh, for that age range. Right. Exactly. Okay. Um, and then if your child is uh, what is considered to be a preschool age, which is three to five years of age, um, your local school district is responsible for their education and their health and well-being. You would contact your local school district, and then they would put you in contact with the Committee on Preschool Special Education. And so they would coordinate an evaluation and therapy if it was deemed necessary. Um, and then once your child is in elementary school age, usually that's ages 5 um, and even up to 21 years of age, um, your local school district would be responsible for or available for evaluation and treatment for children. Right, and that's I know that's the New York model, um, mm-hmm. and I assume it's probably similar in other states. I think one thing that's also important for parents to know, sometimes children go to private schools, mm-hmm. but at least in New York State, even children going to private schools can still go through that Committee on Preschool Special Education and right. um, the Committee on Special Education to get those services, um, even mm-hmm. though they're paying for tuition someplace else, they can still get the whatever the local municipality is who pays for those services to cover those services for their children. Right, right. Um, and another idea uh, to look for services is going to university or college clinics. And so um, colleges and universities who have bachelor degree programs or master degree programs in speech-language pathology, many of them have clinics um, that are either on campus or close to campus where they see individuals who are as young as babies or um, individuals who are even aging. And they provide um, speech and language evaluations and treatments. And some of the clinics I know provide services um, for free. Some of them provide services on a sliding scale. Some take medical insurance. Um, And so I know that university clinics is is another idea for families to get help. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, I run a university clinic at Mary Mount Manhattan (laughs) College for speech pathology called the Smadback Center. Um, and we are actually a free clinic um, as we're providing services and we train our students in speech-language pathology and audiology. And what's the name of your, your clinic over at Hunter, Michelle? 
Right. So our uh, clinic is called Hunter College Center for Communication Disorders. We do a very similar thing where we train students to work with um, patients of all ages. Our fees are on a sliding scale, and we do a lot of um, no-fee services. Yeah, and um, I love the idea of university clinics, so thank you for bringing that up. Yes. <laughs> Great. Um, let's, let's talk now a little bit about the consequences of being a late talker. You know, are, are there long-term effects? And, um, That's a, uh-huh. Yeah, go ahead. I was going to say that's a great question, and um, may, many people probably already know that Albert Einstein was actually a late talker, and um, he seemed to turn out okay. So people yeah. have asked, <laughs> is it really that big of a deal if my kid's a late talker? Or, you know, Uncle Joey, he didn't talk until he was three, and now look at him. He doesn't shut up, right? Everyone's heard those stories in their families. Um, So there could be some negative long-term effects of being a late talker. So about half of kids, it's hard to know, but people have estimated that about half of kids who are late talkers seem to catch up to their peers um, by the time that they're in kindergarten and do okay with, with language. However, these kids might have some difficulty for some really higher level language things like learning how to read. So even though they, um, their vocabulary is, is similar and they can talk in sentences and they have their grammatical forms, they did get a late start. So they just don't have the same language background as a kid who didn't have a late start. So that's about half of the kids. The other half of the kids who are late talkers really continue to struggle with language while they're toddlers, while they're preschoolers, and while they're in early elementary school. And these kids are usually diagnosed with something called specific language impairment. And so kids with specific language impairment really have a significant difficulty with language, using language to communicate orally and spoken language. And many of them also have difficulty with um, learning how to read and write and literacy skills. So when you first diagnose a child as a late talker at age two, sometimes it's hard to know if they are going to be what we call a late bloomer, these are the kids that kind of catch up, or kids who have um, significant language issues who are diagnosed with SLI specifically. Right. Mm -hmm. So in any event, um, one would hope that the family would be working at that point with a speech-language pathologist who could guide them in terms of what their child's needs are and how to provide opportunities for them to improve those skills. Yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Okay. Are there any other areas that are often delayed um, along with talking maybe? Well, in kids who are considered to be late talkers, um, by definition, their only area of delay is with talking. Um, However, I mentioned some other um, conditions which also cause late language development, like, for example, in Down syndrome or autism or cerebral palsy. Um, So in those conditions, they may also have other delays, like in motor skills or in cognitive skills. So it really is important to understand exactly what's going on with your child, if they have a particular diagnosis or condition, to be able to look at all of the aspects of that within your child to see how they're developing. Okay. Um, So let's um, have I've got one final question, or maybe, um, yeah, I guess it's a question. Okay. Um, but could you name for us your top five fabulous facts for families, you know, things that parents can do to foster language skills in their children, mm-hmm. um, 
and um, yeah, take it from there. What do you What are your five favorite things to suggest to families? Okay. My first favorite thing is to say um, to talk to your kids. It's the easiest thing that you can do. It doesn't require anything. It doesn't require any materials. It doesn't require any money. Just talk to your kids. And there's a lot of research that shows the more you talk to your kids the more they talk back. Um, and so that's the easiest and simplest thing that we can do. And so you can just talk about anything that's going on in your house. If you're folding the laundry, talk about the laundry. Name all the clothing, clothing items. If you're making dinner, talk about all the different things that you're doing. So just talk about what's going on around you and then in, um, include the child, ask them questions, and it's the single most um, important thing you can do and it's the easiest thing that you can do. So that's my Great. number one. Um, I think it's also important to follow um, your child's lead and talk to them about what interests them and, um, you know, really try to see what motivates your child and to try to get them involved with talking about that topic. Um, something else, when you're talking with your child, child, try to ask what we would call open-ended questions. So don't just ask yes-no questions. Oh, are you playing with a car? Um, the answer would be yes or no, but you can say things like, oh, tell me about what you're doing, or I wonder why, you know, this happened. And then this way you can get more out of your child in terms of language, and they can think more about um, different ideas and, and put that together in their language. Um, I think it's always important to keep in mind that children can do many things that adults can do, but not always as quickly as adults. And I think it's important for us to remember to be patient and to wait for our child to respond. Kids need some, a little bit of extra time sometimes to respond to questions. So it's important for us as adults and listeners to really give kids enough time to respond to our questions and to take their talking turn. And uh, last but not least, I think it's always important to have fun and just enjoy time with your kids because um, as a parent, I know it goes by so, so quickly. And everyone always says, oh, kids grow up so fast. But it, it's absolutely true. And so just enjoy the time that you're having with, with your kids in the moment. Okay. Um, that's super. And um before we end, I wanted to disclose one thing was that part of the reason why I asked you to be a guest on the show is that we had done our doctoral studies together, and I knew how great you were and what you knew and what you'd studied, and so I thought you'd be a perfect guest. So um, I do always like to disclose little things like that, <laughs> that I had an ulterior motive, I guess, in some ways, because I knew you were really um, really knowledgeable, and I knew that as a mom, too, that you had a really great perspective so um, I'd like, if you want to finish up, can you tell people about how they can maybe contact you at Hunter or look at your information in terms of the publications that you have, the studies that you're running in case they're interested in participating? Um, maybe just let's close with that information. Okay, sure. Thanks, Teresa. So my email at Hunter College is M-M-A-C-R. O Y at Hunter dot CUNY C U N Y dot E D U. And I am interested in understanding um why some kids are late to start talking and what are the long-term implications. And so what I have is a research study that's going on now where I have um, 
looked at a group of kids who were late talkers at age two, and I followed these kids throughout the years. And so I've looked at them at age three, and I've revisited them at age six, and I'm going to revisit them um, at age nine, coming up soon. And so if you have any concerns about your child's speech and language development, or if you'd like to get involved in this research study, if you had had a child who was a late talker, um, please contact me, and I would love to talk to you more about it or um, give you some more resources or information. Great, and I'm going to get your um, email up on the Blog Talk Radio description for today's show, too, so that can make it easier for people. And as always, um, we offer our audience to email us with questions they may have or show topics they may like us to present, and they can send that information to info at kidsa-to-z.com. That's info at kidsa-to-z.com. And with that, um, that basically ends our show. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks, Teresa.